Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Why, a new podcast showcasing the greatness of people through their life stories. Each episode will capture insight into the lives of people just like you and I, with the intention to connect, align, and create inspiration for and with our listeners. Stay with us through our What's and Why segment, where we dive into our guest perspective with some thought-provoking questions that just might be right up your alley. I'm your host, Helen Dillon, and thanks for joining us. Now let's get into it. When fierce professionals and industry leaders in their own right join together in business, it's bound to create a force to be reckoned with. And that's exactly what happened when Jennifer Ward and Jennifer Wood joined together and launched Jump Media LLC, one of the largest comprehensive public relation agencies in North America. Powerhouses in their own right and beyond comparison when teamed up together, these ladies are responsible for much of the public relations and industry content that we see today. Both Jennifer still maintain and grow their own business entities in Starting Gate Communications from Jennifer Ward and Jennifer Wood Media from Jennifer Wood, which has them covering every inch of the equine industry and reaching to the heart and mind of the furthest advocate. I had the wonderful pleasure of sitting down with the Jens recently, and remotely, of course, and believe me, it was a tall order to keep it all straight, but I do believe that if you listen on, you'll discover a pot of gold from the start and all the way to the end of the rainbow. Napoleon Hill is quoted in saying, you're the master of your destiny. You can influence, direct, and control your own environment. You can make your life what you want it to be. I wholeheartedly agree and believe that Jen and Jen might have done just that. They've been the masters of their own destiny. And what do you know? Magic has happened. Enjoy. So firstly, I will start by saying thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're joined by Jen Wood and Jen Ward of a few different entities, Starting Gate Communications, Jennifer Wood Media Inc. and jointly Jump Media LLC. So thank you so much for being here to both of you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very interested in knowing a little bit about what your life looked like prior to your amalgamation. Is that what you would refer to the creation of Jump Media LLC as sort of an amalgamation or merger? We both kept our respective businesses. So it was founding a brand new business to service the needs of the market. Perfect. So um, tell me a little bit about what your life looked like prior to the creation of Jump Media LLC then. And Jen Ward, I can start with you. At the time that we formed Jump Media, which was in 2015, my life looked very chaotic, running Starting Gate Communications with a lot of clients and not quite enough staff to get it all done, which meant I was working way more than 40 hours a week trying to juggle all those balls. And uh, that really was what spurred me on to discuss creating Jump Media with Jen. It's because, you know, we really saw the potential for the amount of need for PR services, public relations services in the equestrian industry. And I personally felt as one person, as one company, I was leaving a lot of business behind on the table. And um, by partnering with Jen, it allowed us to... Uh, offer a whole new set of services to the equestrian industry. Were you on your own for a while prior to teaming up? Myself, I had founded Starting Gate in 2001. So yes, it's been 14 years. Um, I had staff working with me in my office in Ottawa, but it was getting to a point where the ability to find someone with the horse knowledge combined with the public relations skills, especially the writing skills, uh, was getting more and more difficult to find that individual 
in the Ottawa marketplace. So it seemed like the perfect time to go in a new direction and try something new. Absolutely. Jen Wood, how about you? What did your life look like prior to Jump Media? Prior to Jump Media, I had Jennifer Wood Media and was doing a lot of similar work to Jen. You know, I was doing event PR management as a press officer and doing uh, a few other clients and managing their PR and marketing work. I had two employees, but was kind of in the same situation where I wanted to grow and I saw an opportunity for growth, but kind of realized it would take a lot for me to do it by myself. When we started talking, was probably a year before we actually made the decision to form the company. Mm -hmm. And in that time, I got pregnant. So with beautiful baby Finn. Yes. Another motivating factor for me was to be able to take maternity leave and still know that the company was going to be run and um, have somebody leading it if I were gone for a few months. Mm -hmm. So that helped as well with the timing. (laughs) It's so funny. I know you both as separate entities in separate areas of my life, but jointly also, it's it's sort of a strange thing. I mean, Jen, I know you from home in Canada and Jen Wood, I know you from going to other horse shows uh, stateside and I know you both separately, but also together. It's sort of an odd odd experience, I can say. Well, at least you realize you know, that we're two different people. For sure. (laughs) A lot of people don't. Yeah. I know that um, Jen Wood, you graduated from University of North Carolina. Am I right? South Carolina. South Carolina. My apologies. Magna cum laude. Congratulations. I'm sure you heard that a lot in your life. And uh, Jen Wood, you went to Carleton University. Yeah. Yes. I went to Carleton in Ottawa. Yeah. And graduated with a PR degree. No, I studied journalism at Carleton, and then I went on to Humber College in Toronto. They offered a postgraduate program in public relations, so you did have to have a university degree in order to partake in this postgraduate program, which was a very small group of about 20 people, and it's really interesting to see some of my classmates, some of the jobs that they've gone on to. Right have. So it's, it's really, it was really a great training ground for the work I do today. Right. And Jen Wood, you graduated from a marketing program, right? Yeah, it was a specialization with international business. They have a really good business school at South Carolina. I didn't think I'd necessarily be working strictly in marketing and, and not in PR. So it's a little different than what I studied. It's interesting that both of you guys had similar companies in, on your own doing similar things, but yet have two backgrounds that are a little bit different in terms of your education. How has that benefited you moving forward through Jump Media, the development of it, the growth of it? Yeah, I think the background and the different skills that we bring into it really help. I think Jen's obvious background in PR, not only in school and all the work that she did leading up to starting her own company and Jump Media really is apparent in her knowledge and expertise. And, you know, I have more of a straight marketing background that, you know, has, it's a lot different, I think, than PR and and what you, what you focus on and um, what you notice. 
and you know we can each read the same article to edit and we come up with totally different edits for it you know she's extremely detail oriented and um, a lot on the writing side and I think I notice more in terms of what it's relating to or maybe possible implications that come from it. So is that how you sort of structured things that you both um, jointly work on the same projects together or is it structured that you split it out maybe and present things depending on who's stronger in what department? I think we really approach the work as a team. We're very fortunate in that we have incredibly talented staff working with us. You know, the work tends to flow a little bit towards, you know, if, if it's a particular client that I've brought into Jump Media, I might be more involved in their day-to-day business, whereas, you know, Jen might be overseeing something um, that, she, you know, a client that she's brought in. It just kind of naturally gravitates that the workload splits itself. Mm-hmm. you know we're both very hands-on in the company but you know it's you know someone has an article ready to go and they'll message and say who's available to read this and right you know that sort of thing so I think we just naturally split up the workload we don't specifically say one of us is in charge of this and one of us is in charge of that I think it's really just a cohesive team approach and more of an organic yeah and yeah. as Jen said sometimes you know she's already if it's a big piece especially you know for a client and we want to make sure there's as many eyes on it as possible, then usually everyone on the team will read that piece just to make sure we haven't missed anything. But as, as Jen said, it's amazing how both of us can edit the same article and have completely different feedback. So it just goes yeah. to show, you know, different people see different things. So for us, that really allows us to put out quality product when we've had that many sets of eyes looking at something. Right. So in my research, I discovered you guys do so many things. There's so many facets to what you offer clients, which is amazing. I mean, it's it's amazing that a client can jump on board with you guys and say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and you guys cover it all. What did that look like, trying to have that conversation, knowing that you were going to offer all of those services? I mean, was that a challenge trying to navigate that with a small team at first? I mean, I'm sure you guys have a bigger team now, but with a small team at first, was it challenging to navigate what services you were going to offer and how you were going to get those accomplished for your clientele? No, I think we'd done them in one way or the other already right? for previous clients. So I think we were pretty comfortable with offering quite a wide variety of services. And there have been more that we've kind of taken on with new clients that say, we need this as well. Can you do it? And usually the answer is yes. Yeah. So you guys are willing to sort of grow with whatever your client's needs are. Yeah. And I think that for us, it was really important to be a full service PR agency and um, not corner ourselves by only offering a certain set of services. So mm-hmm. as Jen said, we're quite comfortable with all of the services that we do offer. And, you know, there's some clients that come on board and say, you know, I only need A, B, C and D, I don't need the rest. And we just tailor the contract based on what you know their specific needs are. And definitely we watch how the marketplace is changing for us. You know, when we started in 2015, there was so many press releases to be written. And now it's really, you know, it's really evolved in that people are all about their social media. And, you know, instead of having a, a new horse, for example, and wanting a press release put out about it, now people just a cute photo on Facebook and 
talk about yeah. their new horse that way. So that's that's really the way that people in today's era of technology really get their news is is through social media. So we've just seen that shift over even just a small amount of time, five years doesn't seem like that much, but it is amazing how things have just evolved and you know, you gotta keep up with with how it's all about social and all about the digital age. Mm-hmm. So that was my, um, well, I kind of skipped through three questions there because you answered all three of them in one breath. So that was my next question, I guess, is, you know, with such a broad range of the services that you do offer, how do you stay on top of market and industry trends? For myself, I would say I read, I read, and I read some more. So for me, I'm so curious about what's happening out there. And I'm always diving into all sorts of articles about how you can improve your communications. And, um, especially, you know, one thing that we really do too is look at what other sports are doing and how they're structuring their marketing and promotional services. Um, you know, there's a lot to be learned when you look at organizations like the PGA, for example, and just what they're doing in the world of golf and how they're segmenting out their marketing to the people that are older that are watching the television versus those that are younger and might be watching it on their on their phone. So it's just really different what's happening with some of those organizations that are just light speed ahead of what where Equestrian is today, but we get a good roadmap of where we want to go and where we want to take our services. It's funny that equestrianism is so different and so niche, but yet so comparable to some other markets, especially in the sporting um, industry all at the same time. That's a little bit challenging to wrap your head around sometimes, but it very much is the case, I suppose. So Jen Wood, how do you stay on top of industry trends and practices? Same sort of idea? Yeah, I think reading a lot, following a bunch of different outlets that either you know, our industry trade magazines or newsletters and social media, you know, following a lot of accounts that deal directly with PR and marketing, you know, often they're sharing stories or giving tips on what to do or, and they do a lot of those trending stories that can give you some insight into what's available. Most of the time, I don't think our clients can really take advantage of those ideas, but at least it kind of puts it in your head to think about and how it might apply to what, you know, we're doing within the industry at events or for equestrian companies. How has working remotely been, or is that something that is a a constant for you and your team? Yeah, we, even before COVID, we were all remote. Most of us would be down in Wellington for the winter for the equestrian season down there. But the rest of the year, we go back to our homes across the East Coast and work remote. So we're pretty used to it. And yeah, I mean, I've been working from home for 10 years, 11 years. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of traveling to events, I'm pretty used to it. Technology has come so far that we have so many great options for doing in-person mm-hmm. Google Meet or Zoom or something like that, that uh, at least we get to see our team's faces pretty often. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, for sure. For us, you know, having a remote team, you know, for sure, it's a challenge that you're not together day to day. But uh, one thing that we do is every Tuesday have a team meeting and we talk through each client and what's going on with everyone. So it allows us A, to see each other, but B, to 
have that experience and team building experience really of talking through and getting to know what's happening with everyone's clients and different ideas on having everyone's input, for example, on different clients. And I think also working our network is important because someone might say, oh, I have a contact at such and such a publication. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't we approach them about this client's great story? So it really kind of allows everyone to put on their thinking cap and be involved with every client, not just have people off on their own dealing solely with, you know, with their client group without having uh, knowledge of what everyone else in the company is doing. So as Jen said, the technology is wonderful in that we can see each other every week uh, during that, that meeting. And we also use Slack during okay, yeah. for our messaging, which is, um, you know, we have some fun channels on there too. So it's not all serious, but it's a great way to get work done quickly and, and throw ideas around and, and discuss. So, you know, like obviously this past year has been a little bit different in that we haven't seen each other on site at shows as much as we normally would, but between being in Florida all winter together and, and going to the various um, client horse shows, we do get to see each other a fair bit throughout the year. So it's not, uh, not that every, anyone's off um, in obscurity. Right. Right. Isn't it funny? I never thought that technology, I'm such like a interface type of person. I'm such a, you know, a tangible type of person. I never thought that technology it really does allow you to stay just as connected as you would as having somebody physically right in front of you and, you know, able to hug and shake hands or whatever. It it hasn't really changed how we deal and interact with one another on a business level, you know, because we do have all the things, the Slack, the Zoom, all of those tools at our fingertips. It really has become global. It's quite amazing to me. Do you find that you have to rely on your team very much to know about those new trends that are, because things happen so fast. Do you rely on the additional staff that you have to sort of just, you can oversee, but they maybe are more on top of something? Yeah. One of the ways they do that is watching a lot of the webinars that are available through different companies. Um, you know, here's how to improve your email marketing or here's the new social media trends or here's what you need to know about the algorithm or something that, you know, I don't have an hour or two to sit and watch. Well, there's not 30 hours in a day. I wish there were. <laughs> right? Especially with two kids and dogs and husbands and everything else that life allows for, thankfully. You know, that's really helped is having that team of someone to say, oh, I'm, I'll do that one. And they take notes and then they report, you know, the key takeaway ideas yeah. back to the whole team. So everyone kind of gets the advantage of that information and, you know, they kind of share the time needed to. It seems very cohesive. I know that that's hard, especially in the startups or the starting process of a startup. It's hard to find cohesiveness with a team where you can really work well together and rely on one another to to get the information that you need to get. For sure. So good for you guys for actually achieving that. <laughs> How do you structure, knowing that you both have your own entities, how do you structure it so that you know mm, starting gate is going to handle this and jump media is going to handle this and same for you Jenwood you know how do you decide i guess who's going to do the work and put in the effort and what corporation is going to handle that yeah i think when we formed jump media we took a look through our both of us took a look through our current client roster and decided you know this the, these would be great clients to have in jump media and really for us, the important thing is that Jump Media is 
clients that are on annual retainer or our big horse shows that we do year after year. So we don't do a lot of like little small things or small projects or one-offs through Jump Media. So, you know, if something comes up, if I, if I have a contact that I've known for 10 years and they just need a press release about something, then that's something I would put out through starting gate. Okay. But if it's someone coming to me that's looking to have, you know, a full PR package, that's going to be Jump Media that's going to handle that. So, you know, we, we did keep, we both kept a few clients in our own respective businesses. So for example, for for myself, like Eric Lamaze would be a great example of someone that I've been handling his PR for since 2008. So, you know, I know that that's a relationship that's always going to be one-on-one between myself and him. So it made sense for him to remain with Starting Gate mm-hmm. as opposed to coming into Jump Media where he would be with an account manager. Right. So we did a few things like that. But in general, it's, you know, the full-time clients are the ones that are in Jump Media. I like that concept. It's not a new concept, but I like that concept. It just seems to work. Are you willing to give up any trade secrets, any tools or trade secrets that keep you guys functioning and efficient? Anybody that's sort of looking to do the same thing. Are there any trade secrets or tools that you use? You mentioned one, Slack. Is there anything else that you would share with our listeners? My trade secrets are communication and hard work. Ah, It's not brain surgery, right? I mean, if you've got a talent for writing, I think that puts you a few steps ahead. And I mean, speaking specifically to the equestrian world, kind of um, knowing who the players are and the relationships between everyone really helps. And knowing it's not a Monday through Friday, nine to five job, horse shows aren't like that. And the surrounding businesses in the industry aren't like that either. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, you know, that just calls into a pretty strong worth work ethic. As far as tips, I would say, yeah, I mean, attention to detail is always really important. You know, you're speaking on behalf of a client. So, you know, what you're putting out there needs to be correct. And read well. Do you rely a lot on your clients to tell you what it is they think they want? Or do most of them not know what they don't know? And what does that look like? If I'm a client, and I'm an equestrian, and I'm coming to you, and do I say, I want this, 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 and this, because I've gone to your website, and I've seen all the services that you offer? Or do you say, "Hmm, let's put on the brakes for a minute, because you need this, 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 and this? What does that interaction look like? (laughs) I think it's a mix. Of both, a lot of times people will say, this is what I want. And then once you actually get into it and you talk to them, you find out what their goals are and, you know, what they're willing to do to accomplish them, then maybe that changes. And I think most people come to us because they know our work and our experience. So they trust our uh, opinions on and what might be best for them. So it's definitely listening to the client and what they want and what are their goals, but maybe how you accomplish those goals is a little different. Than what they think. Is that always a joint sort of discovery call? Yeah, and I think it's a lot of communication because goals change as well. So, you know, what you're doing one year probably changes the next year. For a lot of them, it's a lot of shifting and 
like Jen said, you know, they want certain services, but those services can change year to year or something comes up and maybe they lose an employee who was doing their social media and they never wanted us to do it before. But, you know, now it makes sense for them to have us take care of it, something like that. Yeah. And social media can be so encompassing, obviously, depending on so many factors, but it can be a huge factor. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's probably the one area too, where we have a lot of discussions with our clients because, you know, they tend to see, oh, so-and-so did this type of post. That's what I want for my business too. So there's a lot of, you know, looking and follow, uh, looking at other people's accounts and then mm-hmm. clients somehow get it into their head that that would be a good tact for them to take when in fact there could be very compelling reasons as to why they don't want to go down that road. So, you know, there are times yeah. when we or our account managers have to step in and kind of explain why you don't want to follow that example. Do you stay fairly in contact with your clientele? Is that sort of on the weekly or uh, it can't be on the daily? I mean, you guys have so many customers and clients, but that is that a regular thing as part of the strategy? Yeah, the account managers are dealing with their clients definitely, if not daily, certainly weekly. Yeah, I'd say several times a week. Jen and I are always available as well. And, you know, just depending on the client, sometimes they include us in a conversation or an email chain with their account manager. And they're always happy to give feedback on on ideas and, and projects. So, yeah, we're definitely in touch with our clients on a very regular basis. Mm-hmm. I know that you guys do big organizations, like large equestrian events. You also do is it, would it be private clients or it would be athlete representation? And then you also do um, some product representation as well and sponsors. What is the most challenging of each of those sectors? Who do you think is the most challenging to work with? That's maybe not a fair question, but <laughs> I'm asking it. It's just different, right? Like different people need different things. So I don't think anyone is more challenging than the other. Some of our clients, for example, might produce a newsletter or a magazine. And, you know, obviously it gets, when it comes down to deadlines, it gets a little bit hairy and trying to get everything done. But um, the riders can be challenging too because they're out showing, you know, X number of weeks out of the year and you're needing yeah. to follow their results on the daily and, and check their client results as well. So, you know, there's just different challenges come with different clients. But we really pride ourselves on having that very client roster. So, you know, we're not just doing the same thing over and over again. We have, you know, a veterinarian clinic, we have a realtor, we have an equine supplement company, we, you know, there's all sorts of different things for us to work on. And so it's never repetitive. And, you know, when it comes to the horse shows, we just really, we don't want to do PR for every horse show in North America, we really pride ourselves on know the best of the best and and quality over quantity and we're really proud to work with the shows we work with mm-hmm. you know that's not our thing we don't want our staff on the road week in week out doing horse show pr so we just really try to keep keep the service um you know at the very top level of the business yeah you guys have such a diverse group of clientele that it must it must keep it interesting all the time it must just be something a little bit different every day never a dull moment yeah. It's a great way to connect people within the industry that maybe normally wouldn't know each other or, you know, have those connections and kind of making those relationships is really satisfying to, you know, where you have a barn client that uses one of the equestrian products 
that's made or you, you know, you make that relationship and there's a lot of that interconnectedness between them, which is cool. Yeah. What do you think one of the most challenging things that you guys face within the equestrian industry now? I think not always talking just to ourselves and, you know, really trying to branch out and bring the sport to a wider market. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Is it just not received well to sort of the general market or... I mean, there's always preconceived notions about our sport. So it's breaking through those stereotypes and being able to show, you know, what makes it so special. You know, the horses are the obvious answer to it. And I've always said, you know, especially with event PR, if you can get people in person to the show where they can stand next to the ring and see a horse jumping five feet, in front of them, it makes a huge difference. It's magic. It doesn't look in person like it does on television or on a live stream. Yeah. It looks really easy on TV. And if you can get people in the seats and get them there, you're most likely going to gain a lot of new fans to the sport. And I think that goes for any equestrian sport and not just jumping. I mean, dressage is beautiful. Um, eventing obviously does things right with the numbers that they can get on Cross Country Day, you know, the Kentucky three-day event is the biggest in-person spectator event in North America. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we keep trying to do more specifically with events, but also with other companies and um, with athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, as Jen said, like we don't want to be preaching to the converted all of the time. And of course, the horse people are always going to be interested to know who wins such and such Grand Prix. But it's also making sure that the local newspapers of that winner finds out that they had this big victory and that they'll report on it and maybe come out to the farm the following week and take some pictures and meet the winning horse. And just, you know, just just ways to bring attention to the to the sport uh, through the community papers, through, you know, local media. There's so much um, there's so much you can do to market the sport when you already have a winner per se amongst you. Um, so I think it's, you know, there's people forget that there's a whole other world outside of our equestrian bubble sometimes. So yeah. I think for us it's we always, you know, keep that top of mind that we want to reach that wider audience and help promote the sport that way and not just be so insular and promoting only to the the captive audience of the horse show world. Yeah. Jen Wood speaking to your point, it reminds me of a situation I had probably a couple of years ago now. I've done a lot of sponsor interaction and I remember going to the Royal Winter Fair and sitting with a sponsor who is not horsey, um, but very enthralled by it. And I remember saying to him and his wife, what is it like? coming to the Royal and being surrounded by all these people in this wonderful place, does it just look like a 1200 pound animal launching their body into the air? Or is it, I mean, what is it like for a a non-equestrian to watch this? And that's why I said it's magic because that was their answer to me is that it doesn't matter whether we know what's going on or not. It's magic. Just being here and seeing it and seeing the horses in the flesh and blood was, was amazing. 
I absolutely agree with you, Jen Wood. I guess is the short end of the stick there is I'm, I agree that if you can just get people to come and see, it's a completely different feeling being in the presence of horses than seeing it on TV or, yeah. or anything of that nature. So I have a specific question for you, Jen Ward. Um, you were quoted in saying that one of your professors at Carleton University recommended that if you want your career to grow, you should only stay in a job for five years. Having traveled a little bit further down the path of life now in your career, would you offer a young person the same advice? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I do think that it is important to always switch things up. And in my particular case, it was a situation, my very first job, actually, and we talk about having a, a postgraduate degree in public relations. As part of that program, I had to do a two-month internship, and I ended up working with at that time, what was called the Canadian Equestrian Federation, now Equestrian Canada. And that two-month internship turned into a five-year job. And for me, it was, I had done two Olympics at that point and felt, okay, it's time to move on and try something new. And that was taking my skill set in public relations and applying it in a different, completely different field. I went to work on a United Nations project, actually their World Conference Against Racism. So I left the equestrian world completely to go do something else. But again, using my expertise as well as my schooling. But for me, the phone kept ringing with horse people, whether that was show organizers or athletes saying, you know, hey, I want to grow them free today. And I'm like, that's great. I don't work for the Federation anymore. <laughs> and then finally, one of one girl said, well, can I just pay you to write a press release and send it out to the newspapers? And it was a Sunday afternoon. I wasn't doing much. So I said, you know what? Yeah, sure. I could do that for you. And then, you know, things like that almost started happening on a weekly basis. And when my contract came up for renewal with um, United Nations, I said, you know what? I'm going to try doing something in the horse world on my own for a bit just to see what I could make of it. Because at that point, there was no one, certainly not in Canada, and I can only think of one person in the US that was doing PR specifically for equestrian sports. So, I saw that opportunity and decided to take a chance and, and try running my own business. And, you know, for me, within two weeks, I was renting office space in downtown Ottawa and hiring staff. So, you know, it's just it just the timing was right. It was a niche market. And I took the leap, the leap of faith that it would pay off. So I would say that changing jobs after five years led me to where I am today. So I course, it led me right back to the horse world. But uh, mm -hmm. if I hadn't made that move, who knows where I would be. Right. Jen, what how about you? Do you think that that's uh, not sound advice? Of course, it is sound advice. But have you ever heard that? Or would you ever recommend that to somebody to make sure that you change your job every five years in order to grow? No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and in a nutshell. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary to change your job every five years. I think it's necessary to keep learning and getting new experiences and trying new things. I don't think that you have to be tied down to having it only be a change of employment because mm -hmm. there's lots of different ways you can change your life outside of, you know, what you do for a living. And I think, especially in our industry with people who are so passionate about what they do. And I look at so many people that that leave the industry to go do other jobs and probably within five years, they're back in the horse industry. So, you know, I, if it's something that you care about as much as people care about horses, I don't, 
think you need to be changing every five years. Equestrians are a funny sort, huh? Yes, we're a very strange bunch. We're a very strange bunch, but the best bunch all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) We find our own way, we forge our own path, we do our own things. And for some reason, even though we want to leave, we always find our way back. (laughs) I would say 99% of the time, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what would you recommend now to someone who's walking down a similar path? You know, young people that maybe are just leaving school that don't really know what they want to do, but maybe you're thinking about starting their own their own business. Do you think this is a climate that you would say, absolutely do it, you know, jump in with both feet? I mean, times are a bit different now. What advice would you give somebody? I would say get experience working under someone else first. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn the specifics of of what we do. And there's even more to learn about presentation and representation and yeah, on that side of it. So I think learning from people first is good if you're just coming out of school. And I'm sure reputation has a lot to do with it too. Being able to sort of tack on to somebody's reputation to gain some ground before you decide to make any major changes within five years or outside of five years. It's up to, up to them, but uh, that's probably a good way to get started. Jen Ward, how about you? Would you, what would you say to somebody starting out? Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, very, very similar to what Jen would say is, is you need to get that experience. Um, I don't think the PR world is something that you just innately know. It's something that you learn by doing. And, you know, certainly best practices and uh, ways to structure your business are extremely important. There there are many, many ways to structure it. As you see today, there's certainly a lot of people offering the types of services that we offer. It's very few that are the full service PR companies. But if you work for a full service company, you're going to get experience in all facets and you can decide, okay, I really excel at, you know, this, this particular area or that particular area. And then you might form of company based on those talents that you excel at. But, um, you know, having a bigger agency like ours is certainly a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. And if you think it's easy and something you can just check in on for an hour every day, you're going to be sadly mistaken. So <laughs> anyone who yeah. goes into business for themselves needs to be prepared to probably work harder than they would for if they were being employed by someone else. Yeah, 24 and 7 it seems sometimes, right? Yeah, if you're a small business owner, I think no matter what uh, industry you're in, if you're an entrepreneur, then that's what it takes. Accessibility is key. Yeah, and, and you're not relying on on others to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's also can be extremely rewarding because you can get out just as much as you put in. So if you're willing to put in the the elbow grease and the hours, chances are it'll pay off. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's paid off for you guys. Um, I did some research and you have a wonderful roster of clientele, which I'm sure has nowhere to go but up. It grows and grows and grows. So we like to offer everybody a little bit of a plug. I would love to make sure that our listeners check out your website, www.jumpmediallc.com. Check us out on Facebook. Right. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, do all the things, like, share, follow. And now we've come to what some would call the very best part of the show, our segment appropriately named What's and Why's. It's where we get to ask our guests some questions that inquiring minds want to know. So without further ado, I bring you the What's and Why's for your listening pleasure. 
So question number one is, who do you look up to and why? And Jen Wood, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would say I look up to my mom. She did not finish college before she started her family. And after she had my brother and I, she not only got her um, undergraduate degree, but went on to get her master's degree. And she started working in a company in an industry that she knew nothing about, you know, but she was smart and she worked well with people and she was able to really get herself into a job that was really impressive. And I think she did it all based on her own hard work. And so I never really appreciated it when I was younger and I didn't really realize what she was going to school for because I was pretty young. But looking back on it now, I'm amazed that she was able to do that. I could never be, you know, in full-time master's program and a job and kids. What did you go to school for? Business. Yeah. Yeah. So she got a a business degree and she worked for AT&T, the original AT&T. And uh, she worked like on a team and she doesn't, she didn't have like the technological background, but she worked on the team that created and marketed call waiting. Oh, back when they had call waiting. Um, right. <laughs> trying to think, do, do some of our, do all of our listeners know what call waiting is? If you're under the age of 30, 30, you don't know what call waiting is, but yeah. And then, you know, when AT&T broke up, She worked for Lucent Technologies, which was one of the offshoots of it. So she kind of went into the the marketing side of things, but she had to know the technology behind it. So it was pretty cool. Jen Ward, you're up. Who do I look up to? I would actually, my pick will be within our sport. And I will say that I look up to Mark Samuel, who most, uh, most of the Canadian and restaurant industry would be very familiar with, but also internationally as well with his role as vice president with the International Equestrian Federation, FEI. He was actually just re-elected to his third term as FEI Group 4 chairman and re-elected as vice president as well. But I think just looking at all that he's accomplished from getting his MBA at Harvard to running running a very large and successful company in which he's recently retired, to, you know, competing at major games at, was at the Pan American Games in 2003. And just seeing someone uh, who's been able to excel in their business life, be able to excel in their sporting life, and giving so much back to our sport as well as a volunteer. You have to remember those, you know, even when he founded and was one of the co-founders of Jump Canada back in the day. I mean, that was a lot of work and all as a volunteer. And, you know, Mark is someone also that's, you know, gives so much time and attention to his family as a father of four. So I think just seeing someone juggle um, so many different roles, I often tease him that he must not sleep at night, but um, just, you know, just overall seeing how much he can accomplish and, and doing so much to give back to our sport is certainly admirable and um, makes him someone that I look up to in our sport. What is something that brings you joy and why? Jen Ward, this time I'm going to start with you. We'll get Jen Wood out of the hot seat. (laughs) That's an easy answer for me because uh, I would definitely say my husband and my dog and my home. So my home life is is pretty joyful. We're very lucky that we live in the middle of nowhere. So 
Uh, I always joke that it's like living on the National Geographic channel 24-7. Every time you look out the window, there's something new and spectacular to behold. Amazing. Jen Wood, how about you? I think the easy answer is my kids, for sure. They ground you and they teach you and they make me laugh every day and they take me out of a bad mood. And yeah, it's so cool to watch them learn. That's kind of the the best part about it that I never really expected was seeing them uh, discover new things. When you look back through your life, what decision brings you the most happiness and why? I think probably the decision to move to Jacksonville, Florida. It's not exactly an epicenter of the equestrian industry. <laughs> I was living in Wellington and um, yeah, I'm, my mom got sick. So I, my husband and I moved up here to be closer to her when she was going through treatment and just found that we loved it here. We loved the area and all my family ended up here actually, because I'm from Chicago originally. So my parents moved here and my brother ended up moving here. I have cousins here, like all my mom's side of the family lives an hour and a half away. So everyone's really close. And I never thought I'd end up living so close to family because I was the one who moved far away um, when I left for school to go to South Carolina. So um, I think looking back, the one that's brought me the most happiness of being here. Jim Ward, how about you? For me, it would be starting my own business. You know, looking back, I'm very proud that I had the confidence to do that. And, you know, I'm really proud of everything that I've accomplished over the last almost 20 years now. So I just think taking that leap of faith has proven to be a great, um, you know, just taking me where I want to go in the world. It's allowed me to travel the world, meet so many fabulous people and you know, really watch our sport at the highest level. So what more could you ask for? Exactly. Uh, what's something that you feel people get wrong about you and why? <laughs> we should ask this question of each other. Uh, <laughs> I would say probably one thing that might surprise people a bit is just for me, I really do subscribe to that work hard, play hard mentality. So when I am working, I am 100% business and 100% on the job. But when my workday is done, I definitely switch into probably a much more fun, laid back person that's probably a little bit uh, goofy and fun to be around. And I don't think people that know me from business necessarily see that side unless they hang out with me on a personal right. level. Jim, what how about you? I don't know. I get a lot of comments of like, I'm very calm and even and... And you're saying you're not like that? I think it's only a recent development and maybe comes with age. I think anyone who knew me growing up or in my young adulthood maybe didn't think that as much. And I still have that. Like, I don't know. You know how like you're supposed to be all of these things under your, if you're an astrological sign. So I'm an Aries uh -huh. and I, I don't know. I don't think I'm a typical Aries at all. Like I'm not very, fiery or anything like that but um it it takes a lot to get me get your feathers ruffled and, yeah <laughs> but what Jen what's the thing that you say about me <laughs> if I what like when you blow you blow yeah <laughs> I've never seen that 
I have a very long fuse, but when you get to the end of it, you know it. You're, you're at the end. <laughs> and I watch very few people see that side of me, maybe. Well, that's that's interesting. Those are interesting answers. <laughs> My final question is, who would you like to hear on What's Your Why as a guest and why? Being Canadian and all, I would love to hear both Ian Miller and Eric Lamaze on this show, maybe even together. I think that both of them have such interesting stories. I mean, how can you even compare someone who's been to 10 Olympics and holds the world record for most Olympic appearances for any athlete in any sport from any country? I mean, that in and of itself is just an incredible accomplishment. But I think whenever you get a chance to speak to Ian, you know, he just has so many stories to tell just from literally decades of experience in the sport. And it's so insightful and educational to have a conversation with him. And then I think for Eric, I, I mean, just sheer talent has gotten Eric to where he is today. And I mean, for someone like myself who's close to him, every year in his life could be a movie. It's just unreal just what that man goes through and both personally and, and in the sport. And he just has just so much, just such an, a unique and unusual story to share. And it's just unlike anyone else in our sport. You hear that, Heather? She's close to him. So guess who's going to be getting our phone call when we decide to hook all that up? <laughs> Jen Wood, I'm interested to hear who your people are or person. Yeah, I think um, Michael Stone would be a good guest to have on. He would be really fun on here. And he has a lot of history in the sport that I think most people don't know about, you know, growing up uh, riding and, you know, being on teams in Ireland and that sort of thing. That he would be a really good guest for you and, you know, and all of his governance work and then, you know, private um, event management. All three would be absolutely amazing. As you both have been, I can't ever thank people enough for their time and energy. And I know that it takes a lot, especially in this day and age. It's not just time and energy, it's vulnerability as well. You know, that doesn't go without being recognized that when people talk to us and you're sharing your story with people you don't know and strangers. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for your time, your energy and your efforts. And thank you for everything you do for the equestrian sport. Oh, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. It's been fun. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why? our listeners, guests, and our sponsors too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen, and that knowledge has a beginning, but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well, and remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media Production.